Hi, it's Randy G with the Holistic Health Hotline. A little update um, for those of you who sent me emails worried about my back. Nothing to worry about. I got in the car the next day and uh, took off at 3 o'clock in the morning or 3.30, whatever it was, and had a blowout uh, left front tire about six hours later, skidded across the highway, jumped out of the car, and uh, let a nice Tennessee trooper change the tire. <laughs> So I didn't have to. Um, we're going to talk about antidepressants today because I'm I'm in a, a city, Buffalo, that's very depressed, and uh, and uh, other things, you know, drugs and what happens to people and memory, cellular memory. Coming back to Buffalo for me is always a um, a memorable occasion. I didn't grow up here, but I spent probably 25 years of my life here. I wrote a lot about the history of Buffalo. I uh, wrote about the Indians. Of course, I drive down past Lake Erie. Erie is named after uh, the Erie Indians, who were the cat people. They were kind of wiped out by the Seneca, but before they were wiped out, they taught the Seneca how to breathe underwater using reeds. And um, it goes back to using what the earth provides to survive and to do what you need to do um, as a people, as a tribe, as a country, as a nation, as a world. We have so much going on. Um, a lot of people have written me also about the prophecies again and what's in store for us. Um, I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not a uh, crystal ball reader. But I did study the Mayan Indians, and I studied the Mayan calendar. I've studied the Bible. I've studied the Koran. I've studied um, uh, Edgar Cayce. I've studied Nostradamus. And I put all of those things together and and uh, use my own history, my own experience, and my Native American background with the Native American prophecies to draw conclusions and connect the dots. Uh, the Earth is obviously going through um, a major cleansing. It has to because we have we have done nothing but toxify it for for uh, two generations now at least. It started after World War II. That's why the generations started getting messed up. Um, we started burying gas tanks under the ground that now leak and um, cause a lot of problems. We started burying nuclear waste after the bomb. Um, we added chlorine to our water along with other chemicals. We had a lot of inventions of herbicides and pesticides because we opened up to other countries around the world and, and learned their science along with our own and uh, wanted to produce the most. So because of that, we, we um, <laughs> used the, the most chemicals, etc. So we've, we've done a lot to the aquifers. Aquifers are the little, um, well, not so little, they're, they're, they're like little lakes under deep beneath the surface of the earth that that hold our water after it is cleansed and cleaned to the earth's surfaces and then they connect again back into the channels of water that we have throughout our world, the, the rivers and the lakes and the streams and the creeks. Um, but the aquifers are, are in a little bit of trouble. Most of you may not know about the Madrid um, Fault, which runs through... Uh, runs through Tennessee, probably about 50 miles south of Memphis, um, east of St. Louis. But about 100 years ago, there was a major earthquake that happened on this fault. 
it is actually a more dangerous fault because it's only 50 or 60 square miles, whereas the San Andreas Fault in California is, I think, around 700 miles up the coast. Um, sometimes a longer fault, it may be more active, but it will cause less damage because there's, there's more space for the earth to do what it needs to do. Whereas the Madrid Fault, and I'm not sure if it's called something else, it might be the St. Madrid or the Holy Madrid or something, but I know it's Madrid. It's Madrid. It's Madrid. Um, it, it's only 55 miles, and a hundred years ago when it erupted, when the earth had an earthquake, it was felt all the way to Boston from there. Now that's, um, I don't know, 590 miles. Uh, east, northeast, it actually rang the bells in the, the church towers in Boston. Well, that fault is very um, becoming very more active. And what the Earth will do, and this is not to scare anyone, but what the Earth will do when it is time to get rid of and move around and do what it has to do to heal itself, it will move the plates that will cause another earthquake there. It will probably be a big natural disaster. It will probably hurt or kill a lot of people. Um, because in spite of the fact that we knew that there were earthquakes along this whole channel, we built there because it was near a river. Uh, the Mississippi actually ran backwards in 1806, and the prophecies say that it will run backwards again. Now, we were given a clue during Hurricane Katrina when the levees um, broke down in New Orleans and the the waves actually hit Waveland, which is um, on the Mississippi coast. Uh, the Mississippi did run backwards for a ways. The prophecies say that when the end of time comes, and I will clarify that in a second. When the end of time comes, that the Mississippi will run backwards again. Well, in 1806, it did run backwards because the earth actually erupted. It had like giant sand castles that were blown up from beneath its surface that caused a damming effect on the Mississippi River. And when you dam flowing water that's flowing that quickly, it will wash back on itself. And so it reversed its direction and actually ran backwards for some time. Um, the earthquake itself and the aftershocks lasted for at least a week, some some believe maybe 10 days or longer. Um, it caused a lot of destruction for any buildings and settlements that were set up, wiped out some towns, flooded out a lot of people, scared the heck out of many people. Um, what they did is they ran outside their houses and got down their knees and prayed because they've never seen or heard of anything like this before. The earth also spewed gases, sulfur gases, and um, created uh, sand blasts. I'm, I'm not sure what they call them. They're, they're like little sand tornadoes that come up through the fissures, and they're full of debris, the debris that comes from beneath the earth's surface, more than five or six or ten miles down. It shoots it up through the fissures at a tremendous rate of speed because it's compressed. It's just like compressed air. So there was a lot going on in 1806. There's going to be a lot going on between 2007 and 2010 because we have lined ourselves up energetically to have those things happen. Can we change them? Yes, we can. We can not necessarily go out and change the environment or change the fact that we have buried all these things and done all these things. But through our energy, we can basically get together and start asking and believing 
that we will change the course of these things so that if the earth and when the earth has to heal itself, that there aren't people in the way, that there aren't buildings in the way, that we, it's almost like acupuncture. That's how we turn modalities and holistic medicine and complementary medicine and the tools that we understand into a macrocosm instead of a microcosm. We can do acupuncture with our belief systems, our energy, our knowledge, our experience, and channel that energy a different way so that when the earth has to do its thing, it, it shakes in a different direction, it moves different things, and, it, and the fissures open in places where there are no people. It will affect the grasslands, it will affect, um, oh, probably 27 to 30 states, totally. People will know it, they'll know it, and it's supposed to be more of a sign than anything else. It's a sign that times are changing, and no, you can't be self-centered anymore. No, you shouldn't be relying on just money anymore. Because when all those things happen, you can try to buy your way out of it all you want. It won't work. You can build like many rich people are doing. It's kind of funny to me. They're so afraid of nuclear war or fallout or the Ice Age that they're building um, shelters way beneath the ground. Well, that's going to be the first thing that gets spewed out of the earth, is the shelter way beneath the ground. So even the multi-millions um, that they use to build those shelters won't protect them. And that's what the lesson is, is that it, this life is not about money. And no matter how much money you have, it's not going to mean anything. And that's what it means by the end of days. It's not the end of all days on earth and we go to a new planet. It's not that um, we're all going to die a horrible death and we all go to hell. It's not that uh, only the people who don't go to church are going to go to hell and everybody else goes to some kind of heaven. It's that the world as we know it today will change. It changes every day, we know that, but it will change drastically because it needs to so that there can be a hundred years or a thousand years of peace, health, and harmony on earth. No wars, no egos. People will be humbled. Um, religions will change and the faith-based who believe that their faith is the only one that's right will suddenly start asking questions or be down on their knees begging to know what the answers really are. Um, it's a big lesson. Uh, we in America rely on the knowledge of politics to go through each day. We look at the right wing, we look at the left wing, we look. We call them liberals and conservatives. One is on one wing, one is on the other. And yet we have the American Eagle as our, as our uh, national bird. That bird has two wings, and it, you need two wings to soar. And if that's not something that that is a symbol to us, to use both sides of our brain, both sides of our personality, to discern between the left and the right, and not be a, a sit on the fence, that's not what it means. It means quit being so dogmatic. <laughs> quit thinking that your way is the only way or everyone else should take the highway because it won't work. It just won't work that way anymore. The, the party lines um, are just that. They're lines. And whenever lines are drawn, they can be distorted, they can be erased, they can be crossed. And, uh, and, and that's exactly what we have created in this country anyway. Now, throughout the world, there's a lot of other things going on, but they're all generated from the same type of energy. Who's going to beat who to where? Who's going to make the most out of what? Who's going to exploit who to get there? Um, who's better? than somebody else. I mean, with Hitler's days, they wanted the perfect society of, of, of well, they wanted the perfect society, and uh, anyone who wasn't perfect was supposed to be annihilated. We're, that's not our job. And um, 
and and you learn the hard way that it's not your job. Uh, and I can't really tell everybody. They they keep email. You all keep emailing me, and I appreciate the emails. I really do. It lets me know that you're listening. It lets me know that you're starting to ask questions. Um, but I can't answer all those questions. I'm not God. All I can see is the lines being drawn, the, the dots being connected, and the signs, the symbols, the symbology of what's happening in our world. And tell people, don't be afraid, but be aware. And be aware that you can change what's happening with your own energy. Quit being so apathetic. And speaking of apathy, we go back to antidepressants. Um, I am in Buffalo, and I talk to a lot of people. I'm here at a book signing at Talking Lane's bookstore. That uh, was like old home week. A lot of old friends and fans showed up. Um, very nice, and, and Talking Lee's was a nice store. And they're right next to Cafe Aroma, so I can plug into the, the Internet cafes, which is why I'm late with my podcast, because I can't get on a network unless I get a table um, and, a, and some kind of drink at uh, Cafe Aroma or Starbucks or someplace like that. Um, but it was it was a very nice thing. It also showed me a very depressed city. This used to be Buffalo was at one time in nineteen in the early nineteen hundreds the hub of the world. We had the St. Lawrence Seaway and the Erie Canal and the Great Lakes and everything was flowing through Buffalo and it was a rich city. It was um growing, prosperous, dynamic city. The Pan American Exposition of nineteen oh one, one hundred thousand electric lights when nobody else had electricity. Um, McKinley, of course, was shot here uh during that time. Many of the buildings from the Pan Am are still standing, and that whole exposition had more than 100 buildings that were built in less than a six-month period through two uh, blizzards and three strikes. And we can't do that these days. So it was this hustle, bustle, great city. Um, New York was a great city, New York City, and and the and the arts and entertainment people used to send people to Buffalo first because Buffalo people were very discerning, they were very knowledgeable, um, and if you could make it in Buffalo, then you had a hit on Broadway. So you shuffled off to Buffalo first, and Buffalo uh, because of its of its commerce, the grain mills and the and the steel mills. Um, it was a it was a prosperous city, but when we started uh, outsourcing for materials and uh, for steel, especially going to other countries for production, um, Buffalo became the Rust Belt city and uh, a working very working class, working poor city. So a lot of people here who had ideals of what life was supposed to be have gotten depressed. It was also a very left-wing city, um, university-oriented, liberal, very 1960s and 70s. Timothy Leary was here, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, the people of the 60s and 70s, and I'm a product of the 50s, so I did grow up in the 60s and 70s, relied a lot on drugs and free love. They said, you know, we don't want war. We just, we just want to love. And it did change the world. They actually um, caused the war to stop, which is one of the the strongest indicators in modern times of a society, a group of people en masse who got together in a peaceful, calm, loving way and said, no war. Make love, not war. They did it using drugs and um, often. They used marijuana, they used LSD, they used mind-altering drugs, which is what antidepressants are. So now if you're the government 
of a country that didn't like it that people got together so much and overturned your idea of what profit should be in war. And you had scientists, and you could you could um, recruit scientists from other countries who also had some of the same ideas that you did. Wouldn't you say, okay, let's listen to the songs of the 60s, like White Rabbit, one pill makes you this, one pill makes you that, and let's go ahead and give them what they want. Let's give them pills that mind that alter their minds, change their dispositions, um, make them think that everything is wonderful because that's how we can control people. Now that sounds very insidious, doesn't it? And it sounds almost uh, paranoid or schizophrenic or something. But do your history. Learn your history. Learn what's going on around you. And, and then it'll make sense to you. Um, so people get depressed. Okay, why? And uh, I get yelled at because uh, somebody says, well, if I, my mother's not on pills, then she's no good. And don't tell her not to take her pills. And she, gets, she gets awful and she's mean and she's, and she's violent and she does all these things. Well, uh, she obviously needs help, but she doesn't need pills. We need to understand why people get into a state of mind. And it is just a state of mind where the mind becomes the controlling factor. And it's really the subconscious, not the conscious or the unconscious. There are three, there's a triangle within the mind. And the, the subconscious mind that knows inherently that something is wrong and also lets you know that you can't or you believe that you can't do anything about it makes you frustrated. When you get frustrated and afraid, you get depressed. And then when you don't, when you keep doing that, when you keep allowing this to happen, you don't know what to do about it, so you run to a doctor. The doctor says, oh, you're depressed, and right away puts you on, on an anti antidepressant. And if you were a product of the 60s, uh, the late 60s and the 70s, and you knew you were on drugs or all of your roommates were or your, or your parents were, and you have children now, it doesn't even phase you that a doctor says to put them on pills. Um, it's almost automatic. And that's what we've been doing, and that's what allows the apathy in the United States and allows apathy throughout the world because we, we are now a global community. We've moved everywhere. We have people from all the countries here, and Americans who were brought up in the 60s or whose children were, were brought up here are now living in other countries. And that apathy spreads. It's energetic, and it does spread. Um, we need to stop the FDA. We need to stop the pharmaceutical companies. We need to stop using just our brains instead of using the other parts of our brains which are more attached to our hearts and our souls. We need to understand that we are stronger than what our brains tell us we are, than what society tells us we are, that we are more than what a doctor says we are, more than what a priest says we are. We are more things than, um, than we actually can look in the mirror and accept. And until we do that, we're going to keep going on the drugs and doing what everybody else tells us to do. And we're going to be a sick world and a sick society. And then when the world does start to change, which it already has, you won't know it. You'll miss it. And then suddenly you'll wonder why. Everything is different in front of you. And uh, then you want to talk about depression? That could depress a lot of people. When, they, when their money's no good and, they, and they, their houses are not there and all their material possessions that they stored in the attic and the closets and the garage and everywhere else mean nothing. When I first moved to Alabama, I took, I took what I thought was most important and put it in my car. The car wasn't a big one. It was a Nissan Maxima. Um, I don't remember, 96 or something. And uh, so you know how much stuff that was. That's not, <laughs> that's not a big truckload. It's not um, an, uh, a pod full of material things. It was what I thought was, I thought was important. You know, photographs and manuscripts and, and certain letters and a few pictures and clothes and uh, 
with, you know, a computer and those kinds of things. And I traveled to Alabama. Nine months after I got there, Hurricane Danny came and took everything away. I lost everything from the car to everything in my house to the rushing waters of nature. And at first I was very angry, and then I was very sad. And then I had to learn from it. And what I learned was that I really didn't need hardly anything that the water took away from me. I just thought I did. Now, imagine yourselves up against a hurricane or a tornado or a natural disaster tomorrow. What would you take with you? And why? How would you take it? And how do you believe that you'd get to wherever you were going? Think about those things. Because when the time comes that you have to jump in the car that's not going to work, or that there's no gas for, or use your legs that you haven't used for, for 15 years because you've been sitting at the computer, or hop on your bike that doesn't exist, and you need to carry things with you other than your children or your loved ones, how are you going to do it? Where are you going to go? And why? It's not something to scare you. It's something to make you appreciate the life that you have now, to be grateful for who you are, what you are, what you're doing, and also to be aware that that can change in, in a blink of an eye. And it's not because somebody shot you or you were in a plane crash or a car wreck or whatever. It's because the earth wants you to change. The earth is your, 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 uh, your grounded parent here. And it says, I'm tired of being dumped on. I'm tired of being disrespected. I'm frustrated because, because I've taken all of you on. I, I gave my word to God that I'd take all the souls on the earth and, and help them to walk the path here. And nobody's paying attention. And I'm getting sicker. And I need to change. I need to cleanse myself and heal myself. So the earth is doing what it needs to do. But what are you going to do? as a human, and I don't care if you're in Japan or Australia or the Arctic Circle, um, South America, I have, I have people just everywhere. This isn't just going to happen here. You have to look at your own countries and understand that the tsunamis, the typhoons, um, the glacier moves, the, the climate changes, earthquakes down in uh, South America follow the San Andreas Fault. Uh, look what happened in Australia to your shores. Um, the things are going to move and they're going to happen. So so what? Does that mean we run? Does that mean we, we cuddle up in fear? Does that mean we go to the doctor and get a pill so we don't worry about it? So we're not afraid anymore? No. We think about the importance of life and what it means to wake up every day in a world that's a gift to us. And then think about it in a way that says, okay, let's say all this is going to be taken away tomorrow. My house won't be here. My car won't be here. There's no sense going to work because the money doesn't mean anything and the job won't exist. Now what does life mean to me? And when you really, really start thinking that way, believe it or not, it won't depress you. You'll actually get more energy. You'll be elated. You'll be grateful. You'll be walking a whole different path than you are today without apathy. You'll be more involved. You'll be more active. Brian, by the way, my friend Brian, if you're listening, uh, I really appreciate how much you're taking the weight of the world on your shoulders. Don't do it, sweetie. Um, I'll answer your emails as fast as I can, and I'll help you to, to help the people around you who you're trying to help. But there are better ways to do it. And, I, and send me your number. I'm going to call you some night, and we're going to talk for a while so that you don't get bogged down and, and um, depressed or upset or tired from all the people that you're running into and that you're trying to help. And my friend Madeline. I ran into my old friend Madeline in Buffalo who had a near-death experience, actually died on the table because she went to get a gastric bypass operation some time ago. Now, 
first of all, do I believe in those? Absolutely not. I believe, um, and, and of course, you know, she would be the first to say she tried every diet there was and she couldn't lose weight and it was the last resort. And, and after the gastric bypass, she lost a lot of weight and then she gained 20 or 30, 40 pounds back. Um, and she still has to watch her diet. Otherwise, she's in trouble. She'll start gaining weight. And she has to even watch her diet more because she has now uh, a reaction to sugar. So she can't have sugar. So what is she using instead? Splenda or aspartame. Things that affect your joints negatively. Um, I wish that I had been around when she made the decision to go do this. Um, because uh, you, you either can live with your weight, you can... You can um, be excited about the fact that you're the perfect weight. You can try to lose weight and get exasperated. You can just, you know, look in the mirror and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat vegetables. I'm going to drink a lot of water. I'm going to walk two miles a day. I'm going to stretch in the morning. And I'm not going to have anything that's white. No white sugar, no white bread, no white pasta, no potatoes. I'm going to combine my foods correctly. And if you do that, it's so simple. If you do that, you'll lose three to five pounds a week. The acids will release themselves first in your body. And remember I've told you that acids actually store themselves in the fat cells, so your fat cells grow. And when you become a little more alkaline because you're changing your diet, the acids are then released and some people gain weight for a few weeks. That's all right. Keep doing it. Don't give up. Follow the path. See the path in front of you. Walk on the path and just say, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it for 20 weeks. And at the end of 20 weeks, I'm going to look in the mirror and get on the scale and see how well I've done. I guarantee you, if you do exactly what I just said, and you weigh 30 or 40 pounds more than you want to weigh, you won't. You'll be 20 or 30 pounds lighter than you are today. And you won't have to get a gastric bypass. Now, she died on the table. Um, they lost her because they gave her uh, drugs that she was allergic to. And so they totally lost her. And, and ever since then, she's been on antidepressants and um, seeing a psychiatrist and has lost part of her spirit. And, and one of my jobs here this time was to reconnect with this, this marvelous person who was a librarian uh, at Buffalo Erie County Library. She's now an archivist um, who did so much for the community around her, who got scared or felt fragile, felt vulnerable, saw what her life, um, how fast her life could have been taken away, and has lost part of her spirit because of it. And, and I'm going to try to help her get it back. Because, you know, the main thing is I, I loved her, I loved my friends, I loved the people in my life, and if I love them, I have more energy than I can even fathom to try to help them come back to be who they're supposed to be and get their power back, to be empowered to be who they're supposed to be. Um, so, anyway, this is a little bit long because I don't know when I'm going to get back to you. I've got, uh, oh, a couple announcements. Um, Forget the Cures, Find the Cause is being translated into Korean. So those of you in Korea and other points in, in Asia will be able to get the book more easily because Amazon doesn't really ship there. And um, I've been asked to be a speaker at a major conference, which I'll announce once I sign the papers, in uh, Austin, Texas and Long Beach, California. Um, chose me over Kevin Trudeau. Oh, that's a good thing. And uh, over the next um, 20 days or so, all over the country, you'll hear me on many, many talk shows on the radio and on television, um, cable and XM and Sirius Radio and regular broadcast um, 
uh, radio shows, ABC, etc., talking about holistic health, alternative health, forget the cures, find the cause, and uh, it's about time. Um, I'm back on the airwaves. I'm back here. I'm back on the road. I'll be back in Alabama next Tuesday night, and uh, we'll be moving on from there. But hopefully, I'll be ba- I'll be able to get this. This is Wednesday. Um, I'll try to get this up on the computer by Thursday and uh, try to get another one up on Sunday before I take off on Tuesday. So keep listening. Pass this on. Email it to your friends. Don't quit. Don't get depressed. Don't get scared. Just get educated. Get aware and know that people are with you and that uh, and it'll all be all right if you just, if you just um, get in there and start listening and paying attention and watching what's happening and do it with your heart and your soul, not just your head. Your head is your biggest nemesis. <clears throat> okay, this is Rainy G with the Holistic Health Hotline coming from Buffalo, New York. Um, wishing you all a, a very happy first day of summer. And that means nothing except that the the uh, the earth is tilted a certain way. It's the longest day of the year. And that means that you've got sunshine or blue skies or rain or whatever you have for a lot longer this day than you'll have the rest of the year. So enjoy it. Be grateful for it. Um, go outside. Take take a big breath. Lie in the grass. Cloud walk. Do whatever you need to do to get your spirit back. Touch your soul. Touch the earth. And keep on living. This is Raina G. Take care.